0: Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, and today it's the Super Bowl edition of DFS Coach Talk. We're breaking down the Kansas City Chiefs, and the only way we figured we could celebrate such an occasion was to go with our three-wide set. So in addition to Shane Caldwell, we've got Leighton Wilson aboard for the ride today. Leighton is a longtime Chiefs fan. So, Leighton, why don't you start us off with describing what it was like in the greater Kansas City, Kansas, and Missouri area after that big Super Bowl title?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, we had a group of, I think, around 35 people at my buddy's house watching the game in the living room. Of course, this was before all the social distancing act, uh, but uh, yeah, it was absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, Went crazy, and of course there was some champagne popping and all that, so it was it was a crazy time for sure. Yeah, it was. Shane,
0: were you as happy as I was that Andy Reid finally got his first Super Bowl trophy?
2: Yeah, I, I mean I'm not necessarily a big Andy Reid fan, but definitely respect the guy. I really probably bigger Patrick Mahomes fan uh, than anything there, so I was really happy, and uh, it's good to have uh, Layton on, someone from from Missouri. Is that is that the Show Me State? Is that the right? Right one, okay, that's what yeah, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. So they, start, they certainly showed us something last year with the Show Me State there. Uh, but yeah, that was very exciting. Uh, I was on Kansas City. Obviously, everyone knew they were a contender, but in November, I was—I'm always bragging how I picked them as the Super Bowl champion in November when most people had the Ravens as the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Uh, and what I identified was I thought their defense was way underrated, and I thought they were a really good defense uh, when they were all healthy. So that's what put them over the top. I knew they were really the top offense when it mattered, when Mahomes was healthy. But when their defense started playing well and clicking, I knew it was it was a Super Bowl year for them for sure, and they would get over the hump. And it, it was really exciting to watch that team make their run for
0: sure. Absolutely. Well, before we get into the 2020 breakdown, just a quick overview of who we are and what we're doing these days. At DFS Coach Talk, we cover NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball we're doing seven podcasts a week, one per day uh, in front of the paywall. Right now, we're breaking down each NFL team one show at a time from a DFS perspective for 2020. And if you want to learn more about the group, you can go to DFSCoachTalk.com. We have weekly, monthly, and annual memberships. And all those are on hold right now. And they'll kick back up once we get one of the pro sports up and running here. In the U.S. In the meantime, we're giving out free advice on the KBO, the Korea Baseball Organization, and we've had uh, some strong success early there. So we invite you to come, join the family, um, and Layton does a lot of our behind-the-scenes work on that. So uh, Layton, can I uh, can we agree that uh, we're going to welcome new members here with open arms?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh- Our our man, Brett Trimble, is working on a lot of different uh, bots and and stuff like that that we can use in the the Discord, and mainly uh, our focus is that it's a one-stop shop for everything you would need DFS-wise. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's break down the Chiefs as we look ahead to 2020. Uh, Unlike a lot of these teams we've been breaking down recently, they have a lot of stability. They've got the same coaching group, uh, most of the key contributors on offense, uh so Andy Reid's got to be feeling good after over 200 wins to finally get the first Super Bowl and he's got Eric Bieniemy back as his offensive coordinator which I think is is really important. If you look at the numbers offensively, they were 5th in scoring, they were 5th in passing yardage, 5th in passing touchdowns with 30. No big surprise with with Mr. Mahomes under center. Um in terms of rushing, they didn't have to do quite as much. They were 23rd in that department. Um, but they took care of the ball, only 15 turnovers, which was third in the league. And like I said, uh, enemy is back. So, Shane, any reason to expect that any of those numbers will change this year? Or do you feel pretty confident that the Chiefs can uh, come up with another similar performance offensively? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a little bit of positive regression here, uh, being that Patrick Mahomes essentially missed three games last year. He went out injured uh, with, uh, you know, the the game that he got injured, I believe it was against the Steelers. Uh, And then he missed two games after that. And then when he came back, he was playing on that that uh, bad leg, that bad ankle, high ankle sprain. So when you consider that he missed games, pretty, pretty much three games and he was playing injured, For a lot of those games, and it really wasn't until later in the year that you've seen him get healthy and start running around a little more and and, and having better mobility. Uh, When you consider those factors, because they have all the same weapons and everything, this team is actually going to increase its production. And last year was a great year for him. So to be able to increase on top of these numbers is going to be impressive, and they're going to be closer to where they were in 2018 when Mahomes actually uh, just lit the world on fire.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the subtractions, really they're minimal. On the offensive side, they've lost LaShawn McCoy. He's a free agent. Um, he was their most productive pass catcher, of course, coming out of the backfield, in terms of the guys who are not returning. Spencer Ware also has not been re-signed. Uh, he didn't get many touches last year. but uh, So basically the same cast of characters offensively, and we'll get we'll get into those by position here in a minute. On the defensive side, uh, similar story. Steve Spagnuolo is back as the defensive coordinator. And these numbers I I want to I want to break down a little bit because the Chiefs were great against the pass last year. They were eighth in passing yardage allowed, eighth in passing touchdowns allowed, seventh in points allowed. But then the rushing defense uh wasn't as strong it was weak in fact they were 26th in rushing yardage allowed 29th in yards per carry at 4.9 and this is to me it's a little bit surprising a team that was playing ahead so much you'd think they would have given up more passing yards but you know teams could could attack the chiefs on the ground so uh what's the basic outlook for you shane on the defense um Anything out of the draft or you know, any uh, roster changes that you think would allow the Chiefs to be better against the run this year?
2: Well, it, it really comes down to, for me, it comes down to defensive tackle Chris Jones. Uh, I think he was at that elite level for stopping the rush and, and getting uh, pressure on the quarterback at the defensive tackle position. And when he got injured, teams could really attack the middle of that Kansas City Chiefs defense. Uh, so that was a key thing there. So Chris Jones can stay healthy the entire year. Uh, the other guy that they are missing now that actually signed with the Lions was Reggie Raglan, who is a pretty uh, pretty good run stopping inside linebacker. So they have a little bit of a weakness there. Uh, but if they can fill that position and Chris Jones stay healthy, I I will expect them to probably be similar production or maybe a little bit better uh, against the run this year. Uh, and if the offense is scoring more, it's going to be even harder for teams to run. On this on this defense even more just because of the game script. Uh, But where the defense really excelled is only giving up seventh in points, only 19.3 yards or points per game, and they had 23 takeaways, which was pretty good as well. 16 interceptions, seven fumble recoveries, and they had 11 sacks. And that was again with Chris Jones, their top defensive tackle, being injured some of those games as well. They were uh, had 45 sacks. So I think that the defense is pretty strong. I'm a little worried about them losing Kendall Fuller because he was their top ranked uh, cornerback. So you will be able to probably attack uh, wide receiver ones against this uh, secondary because there's not a one guy who's like a shutdown corner like Kendall Fuller became last year, which means the teams are going to have to pass against them and they don't have a shutdown cornerback. So wide receiver ones and twos are great to target against this defense. Um, so I think that they might step back a little bit in the passing defense uh, this year because of, the, because of the loss in the uh, secondary there. But overall, they're still pretty good. They're still uh, good enough to win a Super Bowl again. But we'll, we'll see how it shakes out with injuries and everything because I'm I'm a little concerned about their experience and their depth uh, at, at defense.
0: Now, Leighton, what, what's your perspective on this? I know with uh, some of the draft picks, you weren't thrilled about where guys were taken. And so, you know, as I'm looking forward to, Uh, the 2020 season and i'm picturing well maybe it won't happen this year but if you were in arrowhead stadium you know would you expect a lot of the fans to be if if the if the fans could boo the draft and boo the the changes defensively is that what would happen or or do you think there's some hope here for some improvements
1: no I, i wouldn't necessarily say boo it but uh just kind of the way they they approach the draft was a little suspect but uh you know player wise what they got was a lot of raw talent and uh you know with uh Willie Gay in the second round uh the guy's an absolute freak if you watch his tape out of Mississippi State he's a freak athlete um I believe Shane said he was in the 90th or top percentile or one of the best players in NCAA in coverage which is absolutely huge from a linebacker um and, uh, i mean he's definitely exciting uh the chiefs linebacker core since you know Derek johnson left that was kind of the prime days they had a good core back then uh after he left they've kind of been searching for that linebacker core again and it's just been a number of guys going in and out uh so hopefully you know with uh with that guy stepping in uh maybe they can get that concreted in that defense um also the need out of louisiana tech um He's another raw prospect, and that's really how they put it, you know, around draft time. Is he's super raw, super athletic, uh, and this see what they can do, see if they can mold him in there. Which I believe Spagnuolo has what it takes to to form that defense, and um, you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit. I I think that that defense only gets better uh, the more guys they can keep around. Uh, Chris Jones, I believe he had the uh, the tag put on him. Um, the franchise tag, excuse me, um, that's another guy you're going to have to pay. So I, I believe that's a good problem to have, really. Uh, it's worrying about making sure you're holding on to these guys, but it's uh, definitely something that needs to get taken care of.
0: Excellent. Yeah, for Spagnolo, I was surprised looking back at some of his numbers with previous teams as a defensive coordinator. You know, the rankings weren't always at the top of the charts Uh, One thing that stood out to me, though, is he did have multiple seasons where his defense was terrific in forcing turnovers. And, you know, Shane, you mentioned it, uh, top 10 last year. They won the turnover battle by eight. Uh, So that's one thing I'll have my eye on is um, maybe he can get that number even higher. Um, And, you know, maybe in certain matchups we could even use the Chiefs defense in DFS and look for, you know, a pick six or two.
2: Yeah, they're definitely playmakers there. So this is a, this is definitely a defense. Uh, they can get pressure off the edge with, uh, what's the guy, Frank Clark. You know, that guy's that guy is a beast off the edge. So they can definitely get a lot of those strip sacks. And uh, we'll see how their secondary is. Uh, you know, they got the honey badger back there, you know, lurking, ready to uh, pick off some balls and make plays as well. So they have a lot of playmakers there. And with some of these young guys that have a ton of speed and athleticism, they're going to be flying around and making plays on defense. Um, I think the big thing with this team is this is important year for them to try to go back to back to try to make the Super Bowl run because really, I mean, we need to address the elephant in the room is they got to pay Patrick Mahomes, they signed him to his fifth year option. And obviously Patrick Mahomes has been probably one of the best bargains out there uh, for any any player in the history of the NFL. But if, if you have to pay him, I'm guessing, you know, upwards of 200 million or more uh that's going to change the you know you're probably paying them 40 million or more per year that's going to change the dynamic of the way they build this team so guys like chris jones they might not be able to resign because he's demanding a huge contract so it's really important that they draft well and we can talk about how they uh really went after the undrafted free agents and they did well on that uh, aspect as well so they're going to have to build this team in the future with cheaper players or they're, they're going to be in trouble uh, but that hasn't affected him yet this year, but it's going to once that big cap hit hits him for the $40 million a year for Mahomes that he's about to get paid. Uh, so, yeah, this is an important year for the Chiefs.
0: Absolutely. So let's let's start breaking down Patrick Mahomes um, and let's see if we can count all the ways why he's going to be worth that $200 million co- dollar contract, whatever it is. Um, they're numerous. Guy's got a cannon for an arm. Um, excellent with his legs uh not to mention he's got the charisma and the um you know the 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 internal internal fortitude to lead comebacks in the playoffs it's just incredible what he did in the super bowl but um you know shane why don't you break down some of the numbers for mahomes
2: yeah so as we
0: celebrate this one-of-a-kind quarterback
2: Exactly. So I pretty much look at it as he only played 13 games. He technically played 14, but he was injured. And like I said, two or three of those games, he was really hobbled. He he really had to fight to come back. and He wasn't very healthy. But basically, in about 13 games, he passed for over 4,000 yards still, 8.3 yards per attempt, 26 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and five interceptions. Um, so it's really not bad. Now, it was huge regression compared to before, the year before, We kind of knew he was due for regression because he had that ridiculous year What do he have? over 50 touchdowns, Mm. if I remember right. Uh, So it was just ridiculous production, you know, five thousand. I think he had five thousand yards as well. Uh, It's hard to do that, have that type of production every year. But realistically, if he plays a full season, he's probably going to be flirting with close to five thousand yards. And he's probably going to be flirting with that 40 touchdown passing touchdown range again. Um, And then on top of that, he can add probably, you know, 300 rushing yards and a couple rushing touchdowns as well, uh, like he did last year. So if he plays the full season with this arsenal that he has, and the fact that the off seasons are shortened and it's not like it's a new offense and the players are all there. So they're going to be able to hit the ground running. And this is a team that I might be overweight on a little bit at the beginning of the year, even though they will be a little chalky. I might try to differentiate in the DFS world somewhere else with other teams, but I'm probably going to be overweight on Kansas city because I feel like they're going to hit the ground running and bring you those huge ceiling games right out the, right out the gate, you know, depending on the matchups and everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking for big things for Mahomes, and I think he's going to be right up there, uh, with Lamar Jackson as the top uh, fantasy quarterback. He's not going to rush as much, obviously, but through the air, he's going to do a ton of damage and he's going to be back to not as bad as last year, but, uh, but, uh, not but not as quite as good as uh, 2018 which means still you know like I said 4800 yards 40 touchdowns whatever it may be at, this is elite level production and this guy has a ceiling that is like unlimited so he's a good he's a good target
0: Shane uh, you mentioned him coming strong out of the gates and he was terrific the first five games last year they were all over 300 yards um, and then of course, I think it was week seven when he went down uh, out for weeks eight and nine layton had you were you losing faith at that point that you know this could be the super bowl year for the chiefs
1: Uh, i mean it's definitely scary when when someone like that you know a playmaker like that goes down and then you know instantly as a chiefs fan we've all been through a lot of heartbreak so you know you instantly kind of think like oh here we go again you know we're gonna have matt moore try carrying us through the playoffs uh but, no, I mean, I wouldn't say I lost hope. That team is super talented. There's so many weapons around him. It's it's absolutely insane. So it was just kind of one of those things where they played it outright. You know, they made sure they didn't rush him back. But Mahomes is a gamer. He, that is one thing for sure. He's a gamer. So he, he was biting at the bit to get back in there.
0: Yeah, it was fun to see some of the scenes from the locker room throughout the season where you could see the team rallying around him and uh, everything that he put into it to get back on the field as quickly as he as he could and then you know as I mentioned earlier just the the ability to come back in the playoffs time and time again uh, with his arm with his legs I wanted to touch about it, touch on his rushing ability a little bit that touchdown run against Tennessee in the playoffs was absolutely phenomenal just one of those plays that you really never forget as a as a big NFL fan and then I you know from a personal standpoint, I was pretty excited in the Super Bowl. I I put some money down on tw- at twenty to one that Mahomes would have the first touchdown of the Super Bowl. And so when he when he um, rolled out to the right and got into the end zone there, uh, my family was definitely hearing about it around the house. I was I was letting everybody know. I was I was pretty excited about that play. I imagine you were too, Leighton. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. I didn't I didn't have any money on that game. I just wanted to kind of enjoy the moment and I. Probably was sweating too much to, to be worrying about money too. So, but yeah, it was. I mean, his his uh his run ability is almost sneaky, just how athletic he is. But um, you know, with all these sidearm passes, no look passes and stuff, uh, I just think uh people that aren't familiar with that probably don't watch a lot of baseball. Because when I see Mahomes, I see a shortstop playing quarterback, is what I see.
0: That's right. His dad played in the major leagues. He's got a, a baseball background himself, and I think he's really taking advantage of that with that creativity in in the passing game. So uh, a lot of fun there. You mentioned the backup more last year. This year they've got Chad Henney signed for a two-year deal. Uh, This is another one of those situations where everybody in the Midwest is going to have their fingers crossed that Henney doesn't get out of the field. Uh, If you look at his numbers, 59% career completion percentage, only 190 yards per game, 58 touchdowns compared to 63 interceptions. So uh, just Below average numbers, and and that that reminds me, I, I did want to hit one more time on on Mahomes with his career numbers: 76 touchdowns, only 18 interceptions. That's better, than four to one ratio. And last year he was better than five to one, with 26 touchdowns and five interceptions. So, uh, one more reason why Mahomes is a terrific investment. And as we get uh, into the wide receivers here later in this podcast. Uh, I want to circle back and talk about the idea of playing Mahomes naked, uh, Shane. We talked about that the other day um, with Carson Wentz because it's it's challenging to predict which wide receiver he's going to hit on a particular on a particular day, but he's the one whose numbers are just so consistent. So um, let's uh, let's transition to the running back group, and this is a real interesting bunch. Because um, they have signed DeAndre Washington and Elijah Maguire. We know that they have Damian Williams. They spent their first, first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Elair. And then last year's darling of training camp that everybody was excited about, Darwin Thompson is there. Daryl Williams got a lot of run last year. So uh, a lot of guys uh, you know, fighting for touches there. Uh, so Layton, let me start with you. Um, Damian Williams, um, if he comes back and he gets that, uh, early down work this year, how confident are you that he can a stay healthy and be, you know, be as productive or maybe even more productive than last year?
1: Um, I think comfortability definitely, you know, comes into play there with him being there for a couple of years now. Uh, you know, the Chiefs, ever since Jamal Charles was injured and then he ended up leaving, that's kind of been the same thing as the uh, the uh, linebacker group there. They've kind of just done it by a committee and never really had any stars, just guys that stepped in. So, I mean, I, I think he'll definitely be productive uh, with uh, Edward Soler getting in there. I would be interested to see how much impact he makes on, on Williams' touches and then, like you mentioned, Thompson and, and these other guys, they've all proven uh, when they've gotten a little spotlight to to do a little something with it. So it'll definitely be an interesting group to watch.
0: Yeah, I think Damian Williams is going to be very motivated here with all these guys around him who you know, have various strengths. And I wanted to compare Williams to McCoy real quickly before we get to Edwards-Alaire because I think the narrative around McCoy that he's completely washed up and finished – Um, and it's not a significant loss, I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, I mean, granted, he's 31, and he doesn't have too much left. He may only play one more season if he gets signed. But but listen to these numbers with Williams compared to McCoy last year. Williams had 498 yards rushing at 4.5 per carry. McCoy had 465 yards at 4.6 per carry. Williams, five rushing touchdowns, McCoy, four. Williams, 30 receptions, McCoy, 28. Uh, Williams, two receiving touchdowns, McCoy, one. So, you know, to me, um, a lot of this is Andy Reid's system. And, you know, the team scheme, getting these guys in good positions, knowing how to use them. uh, And so I I think there's some pressure on Damian Williams to, to produce early. Uh, but, Shane, how do you think this is going to break out? Is, is he going to get the crack, the early crack, to be the early down back with uh, Edwards Allaire, uh the leader in the clubhouse, to be out there on third down catching passes?
2: I think that uh, we're going to be dealing with a split committee here, and I'm thinking right away. Uh, normally, I would say Edwards Elair, we have to wait and let him develop and learn the offense. But as long as he can get up to speed, uh, I think it's going to be about a, around a 50-50 split. to 60-40, and I think Edwards Elair is going to be an instant star in the league in this offense. Uh, I think LaShawn McCoy wasn't great. Yeah, you compared his stats to Damian Williams, but Damian Williams kind of came on strong in the playoffs. You've seen what he could do. Uh, Damian Williams isn't really a between-the-tackles runner, but really LaShawn McCoy at this point in his career is not very good at that either. LaShawn McCoy also you know, would uh, fumble the ball. He always had the ball out loose, you know, he wasn't very good fundamentally. And that really ticked off Andy Reed. I think at that point, uh, you know, when they're making this playoff run, you couldn't trust him in there. Right. So that's why he's pretty much thrown by the wayside. He trusted Damian Williams. They paid Damian Williams quite a bit of money and they trust him, but he's a little bit limited on what he can do. And if you can take the workload off Damian Williams, he'll be better for that stretch run like he was last year. Uh, so, I think that you know, because he's had injury issues. But I would look for Edwards Hilaire to, to get more early down work because the guy is explosive. He's you know, he's a smaller guy. It reminds me of like Maurice Jones Drew, like in his prime, except for in a better offense. You know, he's just a small, compact guy who's powerful and quick and can really break tackles and make tackles uh, make tacklers miss. And he can run between the tackles. He's kind of hard to catch in there, but he can still, you know, break out, uh, break out to the outside as well. Great, great as a uh, pass catcher as well. So he will really excel as an outlet there. Uh, so I expect this guy to contribute right away. It's not going to be a guy that you're, you're waiting to acclimate and that they there'll be around a 50 50 split to keep Damian Williams healthy. And there'll be a one 2 punch and they'll both be explosive and that you can play both of these guys because the offense is so has so much production and they're going to get so many red zone opportunities. Uh, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on it, but I, I would be confident in Edwards Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire right away, depending on his price. If he comes in low-priced on DFS, I'm confident in him right away.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would think he'll make some explosive plays uh, right out of the gate. Um, but with Williams, uh, you mentioned the playoffs, and he really was clutch. In the three games in the playoffs last year, 290 yards from scrimmage and six touchdowns. So, uh, you know, he's got to be feeling great about that. He rose to the occasion. But back to the regular season, he had six games where he he put up less than 10 fantasy points on DraftKings. So pretty low floor. He You know, he had a bunch of duds in there. So it will come down to price for me and matchup. Um, If Edwards-Alaire is cheaper, then, you know, I think there's a good chance I will invest in him and breaking down some of the numbers it was impressive he really was successful running between the tackles in college he was actually better at running between the tackles than getting outside which is something that's a little bit surprising for a guy that's of that size and we were surprised by his 40 number at 4.6 but in the 10 yard split he was 1.53 which was the 93rd percentile so this guy has the burst, and he can get you know past that first wave of tacklers and really hit the home run. Now, Leighton, who do you think would step up next if either of these guys goes down? Do you think uh, Darrell Williams will get that first crack uh, because he has um, you know good experience in the offense? Or perhaps DeAndre Washington coming over from Oakland who finished the season quite strong? Or maybe Darwin Thompson?
1: That's a good question. <laughs> no, uh, you know, with Washington come over, he did a, he did a fair job in, for the Raiders there. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting uh, thing to look at. Um, Darwin Thompson, again, both him and Williams have had a little bit of time, which, of course, that's Darrell Williams. Uh, so they've both had time. Uh, they both shined in those times. Thompson are kind of, you know, kind of like we talked about Edwards-Alaire there, thompson's a hard runner too he's a small guy but he's proven last year he had that one where uh, on, on the goal line he, he carried four guys into the end zone and stuff He just see just that kind of guy that he, he's going to get every yard and uh definitely interesting another interesting things about uh edwards Alaire is patrick mahomes actually wanted him uh him and andy Reid talked uh, that's a story i saw and he wanted him and then let's not forget the, the, the guy's a national champion, so he already has that championship mentality.
0: Absolutely. Shane, what, what are your thoughts about that second group of running backs?
2: I, I look at it as if uh, if one of those guys went down, you know, Damian Williams or Edwards E'Laire, then you, you might mix in uh, Darrell Williams uh, as a early down power back and a goal line type back if he gets in the mix kind of like he did last year. Um, and then you'll get Darwin Thompson involved in uh, passing downs and different formations as well. So we'll see if Darwin Thompson can make that uh, first to second year leap or not. But he really underachieved last year. And the fact that they took they spent their top pick on Edwards Hilaire, tells you everything that you need to know about how confident they are in those backup guys. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully those guys don't have to play. But again, in this type of offense, yeah, if they have a bunch of injuries, you got to look at those guys. Uh, because they can produce but then at the same time this team doesn't have to run if they don't want to they could just put up 40 points on you just passing the ball if they want to so it depends on the game script really so you have to be kind of careful because if the if the running backs don't get production out of the passing game and it might be a game where they rush for 40 yards which sounds ridiculous but they still blow the team out by 30 points and that's so it's a tricky offense and you have that big committee but i would expect edwards again edwards a Hilaire, like you said, Mahomes liked him to take over the the, the role going into uh, uh, the middle of the season in the second half of the season, similar to what like Miles Sanders did at Philadelphia last year, how they kind of slowly had to get him into the mix there. I think Edwards Hilaire is going to get into the mix even quicker, and he's going to take over that backfield by by mid, by mid midseason, and, and as long as he can stay healthy going all the way into the playoffs. So I think you're looking at an instant fantasy superstar. It, uh, I, he can pass protect He's he's a tough physical runner in between the tackles. He can go outside, he can catch passes. There's everything. He's already played in a pro-style offense. So that's why when Chief fans say, I don't really like that pit, why did they take a running back that early? Well, if you just took that offense uh, to uh, one of the best offenses in the league, and now you added a power running game in there as well, uh, you know, to be when you especially when you get in the playoffs with these tough matchups like like the Ravens. Uh, you know, really tough matchups in the AFC. I think it was a good move by them, and uh, obviously, as you can tell, I'm really high on this guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am as well. I think the sleeper here, if you can call him that, is DeAndre Washington. Uh, I think the challenge for him will be to learn that playbook because I think he's a little bit better, better athlete than Williams or McGuire. Um, and if you look at what he did when he got the chance down the stretch with the Raiders. He had three starts in the last four weeks of the season. He put up 21, 18, and 21 fantasy points. Um, And he, you know, decent out of the backfield. He caught 36 balls last year. Um, So I like his chances, so we'll keep an eye on him.
2: I, I agree with you there, I think, especially if Damian Williams gets injured, which is their smaller kind of, you know, pass catching back, that DeAndre Washington, you're right, he did pretty good in Oakland, which wasn't a great offense, so I, I do agree with you there, especially if Damian Williams gets injured, uh, in, in PPR leagues, you definitely have to look at DeAndre Washington, he has a lot more experience than those other guys, so I, absolutely, that's a great point.
0: All right, well, let's transition to the wide receivers, and the nice thing here is that they've got everybody back. Everybody who caught at least nine balls last year, other than McCoy, is back. Um, the hard thing, like I mentioned, is picking which receiver to target. Um, so, Layton, let's start with you. If you have any insight on week to week, which Chiefs receiver to pick? Is there anything that happens in that Kansas City market, the media? Um, you know, any secrets you might have for us? Because, you know, if you look at last year, Sammy Watkins in the first week nine catches for 198 yards and three touchdowns. And then he didn't score another touchdown all regular season. Um, you know, Hill was a little bit inconsistent because he only played 12 games. and only finished with seven touchdowns. McCall Harmon, uh, he only caught 26 passes, but he had six touchdowns. So how do we figure out who to target here on a weekly basis?
1: Again, that's a really good question. Um, you know, uh, To me, uh, you know, Hill's going to be inconsistent. He's, uh, you know, turned into a better route runner. Uh, He's really worked on that. So, obviously, that part of his game, sharpening that up, he already has all the other extracurricular, you know, characteristics you would need um, with his speed and athleticism and and everything like that. So, uh, I think Hill's someone to target. Um, And then, of course, Sammy Watkins, that was kind of something Chiefs fans in general were wondering about is, we just saw what Sammy Watkins can do, and then we saw also what Sammy Watkins can do, which is just disappear, and you don't even know he's playing. So, you know, I, I believe uh, honestly, from a DFS standpoint, uh, kind of a GPP attack would be to go with a guy like Demarcus Robinson or McCole Hardman, um, you know, someone that's not as highly targeted, but that guy that can still get you two huge touchdowns in a game. And when I look at McCole Hardman, uh, that that would be my kind of sleeper, I guess there. Is because really the only true routes he runs for them, because he's such an impact on the uh, special teams, is you know he runs those trick plays, he runs those deep routes there, you know they, the defense completely loses track of him. So he would definitely be my sleeper pick there. Uh, other than that, it's I don't think you can really go wrong to be honest. Shane, what what are your thoughts on this?
2: Uh, I do like Miko Hardman. Uh, I think that with him being a second year guy, he couldn't get more involved in the offense. I know he was kind of splitting time with Demarcus Robinson. They kind of trust Demarcus Robinson there. But uh, so, yeah, I will expect him to get more involved in the offense. And being that his price is going to probably be super cheap and the type of upside he has, he's a great DFS play early in the season um, with fairly low ownership compared to your chalky guys like your Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is still going to be good. Obviously had some injury issues, which is uh, huge for a speed guy like that. So if he can come back healthy, he's going to be a star again as well. And I think that you have to really analyze the the defense that they're going against, the secondary, and see what you can exploit there in terms of different matchups. And do they have a, you know, it's hard for anyone to cover Tyreek Kill, but do they have someone that has the type of speed that they have really good safety help, that's uh, safeties that are good in coverage that might be able to limit Tyreek Kill a little bit? And that in those situations, you might go more towards Sammy Watkins or Michael Hardman or even Demarcus Robinson. Um, or is it a team that's really weak against tight ends, which we'll get to, you know, then obviously that's a Kelsey game. So you really have to analyze the defenses because, you know, these guys are all going to get theirs. It's a matter of who's going to have the huge game because someone's going to have a huge game every single game. It's just hard to pick it. Like you said, when Sammy Watkins went off last year, it was like, where did that come from? And then if you if you ate the Sammy Watkins chalk the, the the week after that, you got burnt hard. Right. So <laughs> so you have to be careful. You got to really look at it. But just know that, uh, you know, we talked about running uh, Mahomes naked because he can hit you with so many weapons and it's hard to predict, you know. Uh, but, yeah, you can look at the matchups and you can somewhat predict the probabilities of who's going to get a little bit more targets and a little bit more snap shares due to matchups here. Uh, speaking of matchups, though, did you guys see who they're playing week one to start, uh, I know it's a little off topic here, to start the season, the NFL season, after all this time with no sports, Thursday night football, September 10th, the Chiefs and Texans, <laughs> if that's not fantasy gold, you know, I don't know what is a, a healthy, uh, Chiefs and Texans match up there with the high scoring games. So looking forward to that, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that it's on the Thursday and it's not on the main slate though, because, um, uh, it's going to be kind of like a showdown slate or, you know, and just imagine the ownership uh, on, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes there, even though you have uh, Deshaun Watson there, too. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's uh, overall, it, it, you just have to really analyze the matchup to determine which wide receiver you like. But I would say Michael Hardman in terms of a, a, cheap, a lower price guy. That you can stack with uh, Patrick Mahomes in tournaments. That is a little bit uh, higher higher upside in his second year in the league. That's probably the guy I'm most high on besides Tyree Kills the obvious one.
0: Yeah, that opener will be fantasy gold. It was fifty-one thirty-one was the score, and they met up in the playoffs. So uh, lots of touchdowns to go around in that one. I'm glad you guys are both high on McCole Harbin. I am as well, and I think there are some numbers here that are worth repeating or mentioning. Because we were talking about the ceiling guys here. But he's the real value play in here that actually has some consistency. He had eight games last year with at least 10 fantasy points on DraftKings. Demarcus Robinson only had two. And he did have a ceiling game. He had a a monster with 38 fantasy points. But he had a 13. And then other, other than that, it was everything under 10. And Hardman's ceiling wasn't as high. His ceiling game was 18 but this will be his second year. Uh, he's a real speedster. He ran a 4.33.40, so he's got the, you know, more of that Tyreek Hill profile. Um, so I, I like him a lot uh, early in the season. And you know, we should at least mention Byron Pringle. You know, he's just funny because he had a game where uh, against Indianapolis, he had 25.3 fantasy points. And that was he basically had more than half of his fantasy production in that one game because <laughs> he had six catches for 103 and a score. And for the season, he only had 12 catches for 170, and he didn't have any other touchdowns. So for me, the the, the approach with the Chiefs is, if you are a a multi-enter player, um, then build a stack with. Mahomes and each of these receivers one at a time if you're going to make five or six Chiefs lineups. But if you're not multi-entering, then I would either play Mahomes naked or or look elsewhere. Because um, in, in general, I do really think it's hard to predict. Um, you know, There's no real consistency with any of those guys. Uh, and and Tyreek Hill, by my numbers, out of the 12 games he played in the regular season, he only paid off his price four times. And that's one out of three. That's not a very good ratio because, you know, he's one of the most expensive wide receivers out there. So let's transition to the tight end group where we have somebody who is a lot more consistent, a lot more reliable. That's Travis Kelsey. Um, Shane, what's your outlook for him this year in terms of the numbers?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is this is the type of guy that could get, uh, you know, he had 97 catches last year. 137 targets. I I expect similar type production, probably around 90 to 100 catches and probably in the 1,200 to uh, 1,400 yard uh, receiving. Uh, He had five touchdowns last year. I think he can improve on that uh, with Mahomes playing a full season. I think he can get up there closer to seven to eight touchdowns. Uh, and Kelsey just has a ton of room to operate. Obviously, he's the elite level tight end. But when you add in, you know, Michael Hartman and Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill, if those guys all stay healthy just with their speed down the field, it opens up so much space underneath and you have to respect those deep guys. So the tight end has a lot of room to operate. And uh, unless a team has a, a top level safety or linebacker that can try to contain him, he's hard to contain. Uh, he's a matchup nightmare, and uh, obviously, Mahomes loves him. So, I expect Travis Kelsey to continue to roll in this offense. And he is probably the most consistent because those other guys are almost like decoys just running down the field at their four or three speed, you know, creating space uh, uh, underneath for Travis Kelsey, really. So, when they really need it, they go to Kelsey. He's a go to guy. And he had monster game. I think it was in the playoffs uh, towards the end of the year. He had 44 fantasy points, he had uh, 27, 28. 22, 21, and 20. So he had a lot of fantasy points, uh, but you definitely have to hit him on the right week because he is an expensive tight end, and it's hard to pay up on drafts on like DraftKings or the tight end if he's close to seven, eight thousand. Just because you can get tight ends that sometimes produce at like you know ridiculous prices like 3,800 or 4,000, you know what I mean? So that's where it's tricky in terms of roster construction. Um, but yeah, you got to love Travis Kelsey, but you better hit him on a ceiling game because he's very expensive.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned his price um, because other than that, that crazy game against it was Houston when he got those 44 fantasy points in the playoffs, yeah. 10 catches for 134 and three touchdowns. Other than that, he had a bunch of you know high teens, low 20s where he was much more of a cash return than a GPP because his price was so high. Very similar to, to Tyreek Hill. Um, Leighton, what are your thoughts on this this tight end group? Because in addition to Kelsey, we've got Ricky Seals Jones now, a three year veteran. You know, he didn't do too much last year for Cleveland. He only caught fourteen passes, but he did score four touchdowns. Um, do you think there's a chance that there'll be some weeks this year where, you know, maybe he sneaks in there and gets a touchdown and a few catches and at a very low price is worth investing in?
1: Uh, I don't necessarily know if he's worth investing in. I know, uh, of course I follow Kelsey and a lot of the chiefs players on, uh, social media and Kelsey and him are actually like pretty close and he, he really likes his game. So, I mean, obviously if you have Travis Kelsey, like your game, then you're probably doing, you know, something right <laughs> along the lines, but, uh, no, I don't, I don't know if I'd really buy into him. I'd say, you know, Kelsey's going to get most of those touches and everything right there for that tight end spot. But, yeah, I mean, for sure, uh, you know, in red zone opportunities and, and certain sets, I'm, I'm sure he will get opportunity, but nothing I'd be looking to invest into.
0: Okay. Well, before we finish up uh, with some projections and uh, final draft analysis, just want to thank you all for listening. If you have a second, give us a thumbs up or a like um you can find us anywhere podcasts are found if you're just listening we are doing these podcasts now by video on youtube so head over there and click the notification bell so that you get uh notified when our latest podcast is up we are doing these seven days a week uh and then for twitter uh shane where can everybody find you there
2: i'm at det sports shane that's det
1: sports shane on twitter and Layton, I'm at DFS underscore Leighton. That's DFS underscore L-A-Y-T-O-N.
0: And I'm at Language Olympic. And you can find the crew at DFS Coach Talk. What makes us unique is that we use the eye test. We hand build our lineups. We don't use optimizers. Uh, so we, again, invite you to come and uh, join us. Join the family as a member and take advantage of our perspective Uh, All right, so final thoughts on the draft and the outlook for next year. Shane, anything else that we haven't uh, covered on the draft? Uh,
2: Yeah, so I really like their draft. Uh, We talked a lot about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so I think he's an instant contributor. I, I think we already talked enough about him, though. In round two, they got the linebacker Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State. And that's really a position of need for them to be able to have a solid inside linebacker, guy that can play inside or outside. Uh, w- Willie Gay is a guy that had some character issues and some injury issues. So that's how he fell to the second round. He really could have been a first-round talent. Okay, but this guy is in the 98th percentile in terms of elite athletes for linebackers. He was a uh, relative athletic score. rad score was 9.7. And you're talking about a guy that's 6'1", 243. And he was running a 44640, uh, 39.5 vertical jump. I mean, he just tested out good and everything. So he's in the 98th percentile in terms of athleticism, pro football focus is number one pass coverage uh rated player in all of college football, that includes all positions. So you talk about a guy that can help shut down the opposing uh, uh, tight end, that can help you in coverage at the linebacker position. That's really important because teams are trying to create mismatches with those big tight ends, just like the Chiefs do with Kelsey. Other teams are going to try to do that against you. Uh, so it's important to have that coverage guy. So I expect this guy to contribute. And if he doesn't, he probably will start right away. If he doesn't start right away, he'll he'll get in the mix pretty early. Uh, and if he can stay healthy, and I think Andrew Reed has a good job does a good job kind of controlling these character guys, you know, as he's done with guys like Tyreek Hill and kind of managing them and, uh, helping them develop as pros and, uh, good, uh, you know, young men. I think that'll be huge there. Uh, and then in the third round, they got, uh, Lucas Niang from TCU is a tackle. He started at right tackle there and the guy didn't give up any sacks. So he's very good, uh, a little bit unorthodox in his technique, but he, he produced and, he really uh, did a good job pass protecting and run blocking at TCU. So he's a good tackle developmental guy where they need offensive line help. Again, it's really important they develop these young guys because of the salary cap situation. Uh, and then in round four, they got defensive back cornerback Legerea Leder- Sneed out of Louisiana Tech. And this guy was impressive. He's got good size, six foot, 192. And you're talking a 4'3'7' guy, So he has speed and size. He needs to work on his technique. He's a little bit of a raw athlete. Um, but he's going to be a good uh, guy that's going to be in the mix at, at the corner spot. And then in round seven, they also got another corner. Uh, I think this is actually his nickname is Bo Pete Keys uh, uh, from Tulane and uh, cornerback there. And he's also a really big guy. He was, uh, I think it was like one, you know, 190 something. Uh, pretty good speed there as well, but he was a really big uh, man press coverage type guy that they really like as well, and they got him in the seventh round. They actually traded back into the draft to get him, and then they also got a defensive end out of Michigan, Michael Dana, uh, and he was a graduate transfer. He played defensive end uh, up at Central Michigan here in Michigan, uh, up in Mount Pleasant, and he actually had a huge season in 2018 as defensive end. He had over 15 Tackles for a loss in eight and a half sacks that year at Central Michigan, and then he wanted to play with the big boys in the Big Ten, so he went to Michigan. They actually had him put on weight, and he played defensive tackle. Uh, But I think the Chiefs are going to use him as a defensive end and get him back to his uh, being able to pass the rush, rush the passer, and make explosive plays there. Uh, So look for him to improve the pass rush as he develops in in that defense. And again, it's really important that they get these young cheap guys to play, because like I said, they got to pay that guy, Mahomes, right? Uh, so that's quite a bit of information on these draft picks, but I think it was an important draft, and I thought it was a solid draft. Uh, Layton, uh, now I know some of the Chiefs fans didn't really like the draft, and they were a little skeptical about it. Now, with, with all the information I just gave you, are you still skeptical, and what are your concerns about this draft?
1: <laughs> no, I'm not as skeptical. Like I said, I, I think a, a lot of people with, you know, just my inner circle that I talk to, we're just more confused why, you know, we were attacking that running back in the first, which, you know, you kind of answer to that. And obviously, when Mahomes speaks, everybody kind of listens. So that was kind of put to the side pretty quickly. But uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, I, I like the draft. I think there's, a, like I said before, there's a lot of raw talent there. And hopefully, you can just be molded into to talent you can use. And like you said, that's going to be important when it comes to, you know, signing that big man. So
0: <laughs> He's not
1: cheap. No.
0: <laughs> so million dollar question then, Leighton. Next February seventh, I believe it is. Will you and thirty five of your closest friends be gathering in the Kansas City area for a little uh, a little party, watching the Chiefs in the Super Bowl again?
1: I sure hope so. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. From a pers- perspective of just the team overall, I don't see why they couldn't. Uh, You know, you you do miss a couple guys like Emmanuel Ogba, Kendall Fuller, Reggie Ragland, like we kind of touched on that defense that that played pretty solid last year and really was the difference maker when it all came down to it. So, um, yeah, I I think so. I think we'll be back in the Super Bowl. Uh, Of course, that AFC will be interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't think we have to worry about the Patriots much anymore, but they're still the Patriots. So. We'll see how that goes.
2: And uh, I hate to spoil the party here, but uh, remember, I predicted the Super Bowl AFC, uh, you know, play a team last year in the winter. And I don't have the Chiefs winning them this year. I know it's way too early prediction, but there's a little team in Baltimore that might have a little something to say about that. And I don't think you have to worry about the Patriots, but I would look out for Baltimore in the AFC to finally put things together. And that's my way too early Super Bowl prediction right there.
0: Well, I know one thing that'll be a lot of fun if they match up in the playoffs. Two, you know, it's contrasting styles: the running game against the passing game. Uh, that'll be worth tuning in for. So, uh, and and you know, from my perspective, the Chiefs they already could be back to back if the overtime rules were different with the coin toss. You know, two years ago, uh, the Patriots came in there and won that classic AFC Championship game in large part because they won the coin toss in overtime and Mahomes never got the ball and. It's the same way why I think uh, same reason why I think Drew Brees gets shortchanged with the Saints last year, losing to the Vikings in overtime. Same situation, um, they they lose the coin toss and they never get the ball back. So um, sort of a bad beat there for the Chiefs two years ago, and that's one of the main reasons I was glad to see them get it last year. So we'll have to say you know stay tuned and see if Leighton is right and his team gets back there or if Shane gets the prediction right again so <laughs>
2: i <laughs> hope you're
1: good. not right shane
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sorry man i'm going to speak the truth sorry so, and I, I would say just to summarize i think some of the takeaways that we learned here uh i think you can attack the defense uh, especially with on with the wide receiver position okay and i think on offense and this goes without saying you can be bullish on mahomes again like you we, like we were Going into 2019 or, you know, towards the end of 2018, you can be bullish on Mahomes. You can fire him up. And those under-the-radar guys, uh, you could fire up. A Big takeaways that we all like in consensus is Mecole Hardman. Um, so I think we all really like him. He's a good DFS play. And then uh Clyde Edwards Elleyer if you can get on him early before people before his price goes up and before people know about him. So I think those are the big takeaways from me, for that I've discovered here because everyone knows the Chiefs are great, right? <laughs> I mean, they know that, but can you get those under the radar guys that are cheaper and, that that have the type of potential in this offense and those are my main takeaways. Other than that, I think that's uh, I think that's about it.
0: Leighton, any final thoughts from you?
1: Yeah, again, uh, like uh, like we kind of touched on, I hope uh, I'm at that uh, watch party in February. And uh, other than that, kind of like what Shane touched on, it's – it's kind of uh, you can't really be wrong with them, but I, gu- I guess you can. Uh, but they have a lot of options for sure when it comes to DFS, and I would definitely look towards them. Uh, obviously, you're gonna have to buy matchup and stuff, find that right combination. But yeah, again, I just hope we're hope we're back there in February. I, I definitely enjoy back to back.
0: That's right. So uh, be sure to stick with us here at DFS Coach Talk throughout the summer and uh, heading into the fall. And we'll try to break down those matchups for you the best we can from a DFS perspective. And this concludes our coverage of the AFC West. We're going to transition to the AFC South starting tomorrow. And the last thing we'd like to mention here is coach's favorite charity, MambaOn3.org. So feel free to check that out. And thank you again for tuning in on behalf of our Chiefs man here, Leighton Wilson and Shane Caldwell. I am Andrew Hansen. We'll catch you again next time on DFS Coach Talk.